technical issues. If there are any of you out there who are geniuses about how to, um, I don't know, record a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) we would appreciate your help because this is a couple weeks in a row that we've had some problems and I'm frustrated. But that might be an overall sense of frustration with the state of baseball right now. So with me, as always, I'm Kate Prusser, Managing Editor of Lookout Landing. Did I say that already? I can't even remember. (laughs) This has been a week. Uh, With me as always, not as always lately, because we haven't talked in a while, but it's John Troopin. John, why haven't we talked in a while? What is is going on? Why is everything bad? (laughs) Uh, A few things to to get through on that then. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot to parse. Yeah, I've been unfortunately busy. Good things, but busy things. So thankfully last week... uh, Ben Thone was able to hop in and we were able to uh, have you guys talk with Mariners pitching prospect Lindsey Coggle, uh, which was uh, great. Um, and next week uh, we're going to have another podcast up earlier in the week talking to uh, a different Mariners pitching prospect uh, by the name of Andrew Moore. So I guess really not coming prospect. in early. Not, yeah, not, I not guess. prospect because not listed on a prospect list, but but really should be, you know? Yes. That's, it's... Yeah, just narrowly eclipse the 50 ending mark. So we're yeah. it, it, good post, pod, podcasting is, I believe, teasing the next podcast at the beginning of the current <laughs> podcast. Uh, so we're on point uh, yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, I think I read that in the book. Um, but, but before that, uh, we're, I think, you know, we, you and I, Kate, we haven't really had a moment to sit down. You know, last week, you had, obviously I was gone. I think the week before that we talked with Art Warren, uh, or I guess Bo- the week before Co- that Casey. we talked with Casey Bogus all year. The week yeah. before that we talked with the different Mariners pitching prospect. Yeah, we're slowly working our way through the spring training camp. All your uh, prospects are belong to us. Yes. Um, but we, uh, you know, we, we wanted to talk about just what has happened and obviously yeah. there's a lot of not much but there's it, within that not much uh there's been sort of hot button uh points that have been points of major discussion and so yeah. we we put out a call for questions and as we expected i think a lot of the questions address the things that we would talk about anyway so uh i think you know kate uh, unless you have anything that you specifically want to lead off with uh we could just get right into the questions and you know we will uh we'll probably I just kind of wind I th- around i think there's one thing we should cover and that's that no there hasn't been a lot and so it's been very easy to be like guests 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 yes. um to kind of <laughs> make up for this this dead time but we did have something that I think, even though it wasn't a transaction, it was significant with the media luncheon. So yes. I think it's worth it's worth just discussing that because it generated a couple pieces on the site that generated a mm. lot of discussion. And I just kind of want to circle back to some of those things and the the curious position that Mariners fans find themselves in right now. Yes. Um which I think I articulated and, and um, Jake Mailhot wrote a great piece examining this. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that the Mariners are very confident in the direction that they're going forward in. And if they're not confident, they're sure doing a great job of bluffing mm-hmm. like they are. Um, they know that the farm system isn't particularly well regarded by anyone and they themselves say we belong in the back half, but they will mm-hmm. not admit to being the worst. They don't believe they're the worst. 
there's a fair amount of like just sort of posturing, but also I think swagger, but also just belief in themselves. Um, and I admire that, but also it's imp- I I have to see that as that's something that they believe internally and that they have to push internally, but it's something they certainly haven't earned yet. Right. And I think that that's where fan frustration is coming from a mm. lot. Is um, there's a lot of all hat no cattle as as might <laughs> say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think the the unearned part is is what is stuck out, and a lot of the things that they talked about in terms of specifics are you know things within the rotation and things within you know their roster construction, which we'll get to in a little bit. But just specifically on that overarching point of the the idea of you know, saying you know, I think every every organization says something like this. Well, you know, we believe in our players more than others may. You know, we see something in that. You know, that's right. what you're gonna. See. You're not going to go out there and say, well, our players aren't very good, and our prospects aren't very good. Um, you know, and everyone's right that there there's just not very much going on. That's what they're going to say. But the the way that they have said it is. Uh, very much you know, most of that luncheon and most of the comments in the media in the past few weeks have very much seemed like things that were focused inward as opposed to focused on how they sounded uh, externally I guess um, in terms of wanting to show the players and the organization and the coaches and the everyone in the organization that at least publicly, they have, you know, the the people at the top have their back. Um, but as you said, you know, whether, you know, they're not, you know, the current front office isn't responsible for the last 15, 17, 20 years. Right. But they also have to be aware that most of their fans have been there <laughs> for the last 15, 20 years um, or more. And, you know, especially if you're, a, you know, original, if you were around when the Mariners first started out, I mean, you had 20 or, uh, you know, 15 years of absolute nothingness um, and then a decade of excitement and then now 15 more years of kind of frustration. So, it it definitely sounded, it it did not come off well. It did not strike us as, uh, uh, you know, a well catered uh, grouping of statements. Even if the the content of it might have been fine, or at least right. was not outlandish, people are going to interpret it pretty negatively because when you haven't earned the benefit of the doubt or you're in a position where the benefit of the doubt has been eroded by your predecessors you don't <laughs> you don't earn faith you don't you don't faith yeah. isn't given faith is earned and and it's not there yet um i i mean it is i don't want to get too theological here but <laughs> the question of faith being given versus earned is you know i i think at the center of a lot of at least That's Christian fair. theology, mm-hmm. um, in that you are supposed to have the faith, mm-hmm. um, but it is it is it is a big ask when you have mm-hmm. been Job, you know, just like just yeah. punch after punch after punch. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, there have just there have been some PR missteps. Mm-hmm. Canceling Fan Fest, okay, I understand why you needed to do it, 
Um, also, you know, maybe you don't have quite the prospect hall to, you know, the face of the organization. But you no, know, you do. You have, you have Evan White, you have Sam Carlson, you have mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis still. You bring them up to FanFest. I mean, there are mm-hmm. still big names. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not having If anything... you had to bring ten people to FanFest, that would be a problem. <laughs> but you can bring three or four. Hey, <laughs> bring... bring Bring my boy Art Warren. Let, let, <laughs> let everyone. No, I mean you can get to ten, and that's the thing is like I, I feel like a lot of time you just don't. There, there are good players in the organization people don't know about as much because they're not upper level or they're not position players or, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that the organization has a duty to make those players get us on board with those players. Um, mm. But also, I just the canceling of FanFest has really stuck out to me as the. It's really hard to ask people to believe in what they can't see. Again, we're getting into questions of theology, but um, when you can't go someplace, the the gift of FanFest, I think, is you go someplace in the dark of winter. It is. It it has a little bit of a feeling of Christmas about it. God, I'm just so heavy-handed with the Christian <laughs> ideal. I'm so sorry. Um, but no, it does because it's the dark, suckiest part of winter. It's January, which I think we can all objectively and apologies to those of you born in this month. It is the worst, right? It's the <laughs> worst freaking month. It's it is difficult. Long. It is cold. It is dark. There's nothing happening. If you're in Seattle, you don't have, like, a basketball team to cheer on, even though Mm. blessings up to Mike Hopkins and the UW basketball team because they are fun as hell. Um, But So FanFest was, like, this great beacon, this gathering of other people who were nerdy and excited and, you know, just fanning out with all these other people. And not having that was a tremendous loss of community. It was... I have friends I only see during baseball season because I only mm-hmm. see them at, at Mariners games. And seeing them at FanFest was always like a little breath of a promise. Like, oh, here comes here comes the season. It's a chance to engage in the community. And I, while I understand the front office's need to close ranks and have a unified show of support, and while I don't want to deal with like all the questions that would have come up at Sa- at FanFest when Jerry was asked for the hundredth time about why won't you sign a star? Get us started better! <laughs> like, I, I mean, that part wouldn't have been fun. But just that loss of community and to have nothing take its place is really, uh, that's bad form on the Mariners' part, which I'm surprised by because it's an organization that has always, I think, done that aspect well. Yeah. Knowing it, that their on-field product exactly. maybe wasn't commensurate with. I was gonna say, pretty you know, pretty universally, the Mariners off the field or everything around the field, like the in-stadium experience, has been on point. And you know, obviously, yeah. the most important thing to most people, understandably, is oh, what's happening on the field. Um, but yeah, it, it has been frustrating. Just oh, let's let's also talking about the media luncheon hit on a hot button topic, which is the no reentry. So in the <laughs> one publicly facing yeah. thing that they do, they announce this super controversial. I mean, personally, I don't know how much it will affect my game game day going experience, but yeah. for all the like people who drive in from out of town and all the parents and mm-hmm. um, you know people who want to go early and then maybe duck out and get a bite to eat before coming back mm-hmm. it just 
I woof, just this is like a master class in how not to PR in my it, opinion. <laughs> I would agree. Um yeah, it's it's been rough. Um do you want to get in then, because you know, we sort of transitioned there, uh, into into some of the questions that, that were Let's asked? You know, there were a, a lot of questions asked at the luncheon about, or I guess not even questions, but a lot of points that uh, were hit on uh, by DePoto and by Andy McKay and by Scott Service uh, that may not have rung so well uh, <laughs> and gone over so well with, with people. Um, yeah, so if you haven't read it, John did this great... <laughs> He's analyzing the spin of everything that was said at um at the media lunch and using spin rates. There was a fair amount. There was a uh, lot of there was there was ranging from low spin to average spin to like whoa uh Carter Stewart <laughs> that prospect yeah. who spins a baseball faster than anyone in the yeah. world. Yeah, there was there was Carter Stewart spin on at least one of those. What I will say is for for a frame of reference, Farhan Zaidi, who is the general manager of the Los Angeles Angels at the, Do- or sorry, the Los Angeles the Dodgers, Dodgers yeah, okay. uh, at the Dodgers essentially media uh, day uh, recently or, or something to that effect, said uh, Matt Kemp can have uh, value to a lot of baseball teams this year. So the Mariners yeah, are not that's, alone that's in Carter this. Carter Stewart's been right there. Yeah, yeah so sure. the Mariners are not alone in this regard, uh, but. It's it's certainly, you know, that's something that can go okay okay as a as a Dodgers fan because yes, <laughs> you, you win a hundred you win a hundred games yeah, yeah exactly congratulations you, you get some benefit of the doubt. Um, so let's uh, let's start here. Um, we'll go with we'll start with a question from Mariners and O's fan at Orioles PDX. Um, Sort of a good and interesting history that you must have there, my friend. Um, is it is it Jake and Jordan? Yeah, it could be. It's, it's, it's fused it's, together into one. It's their Kevin Durant burner account. Um, <laughs> how likely is Jerry to go after a high-profile free agent starter? Uh, and the follow-up: Yes, I know the roster is full. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen one of the less wise phrasings <laughs> by Jerry Depoto talking about how I believe the quote to... was, could signing a free agent starter improve the Mariners in 2018? Maybe, but would it be helpful for them long term knowing what they have in the pitchers uh, that they've gotten? No, uh, and so they need to retain space for Marco Gonzalez and uh that, Andrew, you know, Moore. The, Andrew Moore, uh, Ariel Miranda. Yeah, that, that uh, comment that did co- not go over No, well. and I can't blame anyone because <laughs> that's just a bonkers way of thinking about it. Um, <laughs> to, to, to get to the free agent high-profile starter, I think very unlikely. I, I would say yeah. there's like – I'm sure that they have – asked and and looked and probably reached out a little bit because that's what you do in any of these situations you know you you at least do your due diligence but there's just everything that they've said and the other moves that they have made have indicated that they want to have you know controllable cheap players that they can you know 
run out for the next several years um, and maintain flexibility. Um, and that does not that does not com- you know compute with signing you Darvish or signing Lance Lynn or signing Alex Cobb. And it's depressing because it looks like the way forward, even if they have this stable of young position players with Healy and Hanniger and Gamble, and even if all of those guys, Zimino even, I would count on that. Yeah. Even if 26. all those guys top out, top out to what they, um, what we hope for them. Yeah. Uh, there's no one like that. There's no one with that kind of a ceiling in pitching. Right. Uh, you know, you're looking at best at, at a mid rotation ceiling mm. for a lot of these guys, just because mm. because there is such a stark contrast between someone who is an ace pitcher, who's that front of the rotation pitcher, and and someone who's not. And mm-hmm. I think that there are ways to win baseball games without having a staff full of aces. Like you, if you are the Astros and you've tanked for so long and you've gotten somehow a staff of McCullers and Keuchel and uh, you can bring in Verlander and trade for uh, Cole. Cole. You know, that, that is, uh, that is yeah. amazing. And everyone wants that, but you have to be in a very particular set of circumstances mm. to have that. And, but also even last year, like the Astros were dominant, but you know, outside of Keuchel, it wasn't as though their starting pitching was world beating. You know, they had, you know, McHugh, they just had a depth of decent pitchers, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and uh, so along with an ace at the top, you know, and, and what, so. What this might be is um, a recognition that the way that pitching happens in the major leagues is changing. And if you are lucky enough to have one of these gems like a Chris Sale or a mm-hmm. Verlander and a Keiko, that's really unfair. Um, if it's you the have worst. one, of, <laughs> they're really, the worst. Really sucks. Um, if you're lucky enough to have one of these guys, then great for you. But you can't go out hoping that you're gonna recognizing that these players are rare. That the guy who can go seven, eight, nine innings is a rarity today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in sort of an offensively focused game. And just looking for building a strong bullpen, getting serviceable guys, and really focusing on that offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because is Lance, my... is Lance Lynn going to save us? He will not. I think is what probably that, not. That is what the that is what their belief is, and you can believe it as well or not. Mm-hmm. But um, there aren't James Paxton's out on the free agent market. So. Yeah, and I guess I would, I do have a pet theory a little bit that and that I think much of what they've said is posturing to some degree, um, because there is not much benefit of saying right now, hey, we need you know, we need to sign someone still in a market where everyone is refusing to yeah. sign anyone or show interest. Every team is refusing to make a move. So even though the you know the PR for the, you know, fan base might be pretty bad. Uh, you know what it doesn't express to the players is is something that uh, is also important. And so I I would not be surprised to see uh, someone like Jaime Garcia or you know another player on a one year deal uh, of some sort 
uh, I would love to see Jaime Garcia actually on, you know, some sort of one-year deal, uh, especially because I think Marco Gonzalez, I actually would like to see start, but I think that you can move Erasmo Ramirez to the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, especially considering he's had experience in the bullpen, been successful in the bullpen, done both before, transitioned back and forth before, um, and Marco Gonzalez still does have a bit more of a ceiling that you could see being there. Um, you know, and if he is struggling, you have plenty of other options still uh, still in there. So I, I think that's... And this is another thing that they're betting on that... Um... I think is something that maybe they don't get enough credit for is their ability to develop players. They bet mm-hmm. heavily on their development. And mm-hmm. I think you see that with Paxton. You see that with Zanino. Like you see that they are able to make these changes, make these tweaks. The Pazos is, last year. Pazos. Was, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good example. Um, but they are able to take these players who maybe weren't, up to what they could be in other organizations and help them out with a mechanical mm. tweak with something, mm. um, mm. you know, maybe just a different way of thinking. And, mm. and even we dump on Ariel Miranda, but, uh, there are things in his profile. Luke Manger just did a great 40 and 40 on him looking mm. at the adjustments he made from first half to second half in where he was locating Luke calls it his splange, his splitter change. <laughs> uh, Split change, yeah. Split change. Um, so just looking at the fact that Miranda moved that off of the plate, he was able to get it to the edges of the plate more in the second half. The problem was he was fatigued and he lost velocity and he still made mistakes and every single mistake he put over the middle of the plate got punished, just mm-hmm. hammered. So, but, but there's, there are bright signs in there. It's just, they're very small, you know, and it's like winter when you just start to see those little tiny buds poking up out of the ground, you know, there, there are tiny encouraging signs here that I think if you pay close attention to the organization do suggest that they can do these things and they have recruited a stable of guys who want to learn, who are willing to learn, who are willing to put that work in. Um, but it is it is very hard to see, you know, when you're taking a long view and you can't see all those little tiny encouraging hopeful signs and all you see is a barren field. So our next question comes from Patrick J at Patrick J Burke 84 on Twitter. Uh, he asks, on paper, the bullpen is a strength. Where do you see it rank up versus the rest of the AL West? And is it good enough to play six-inning games like the Royals of 14 and 15, 2014, 2015? Um, And in the AL West, I would say it's probably the best. Uh, I mean, either, you know, the A's have a good bullpen, but they don't have much else that's necessarily all that good, so it may not. I think at the end of the year, their numbers might not look as good only because they won't have had as many good opportunities. Um, and the uh, the Angels lost a bunch of players and don't have much proven consistency. They sort of had a 2014 Mariners kind of bullpen last year. Yeah. Um, the Astros have a all right bullpen, but also last year you know, had so much uncertainty about their bullpen, it nearly derailed their, you know, playoff run. Um, 
and you know eventually had to resort to just putting some of their starting pitchers in the bullpen, which works fine in the playoffs, but right. is a lot to do over a full season. Um, and I don't really know what the Rangers are doing at all. Uh, <laughs> they have a couple good relievers, you know, uh, Keone Kella, and uh, eventually, if not immediately, Yoander Mendez, who's one of their top star or top pitching prospects but is looking more like a reliever than a starter but right. not not a lot of depth or consistency there so um at least in terms of the AL West I think I and and across the board I think it's reasonable to say the Mariners are going to have one of the best bullpens in baseball I uh, think that that's fair I mean we are going through right now we're going through the um each of the AL West opponents. So we just finished up the Angels. So I can speak, I think, fairly well about their bullpen, just because mm-hmm. we've done, yeah, have done a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think the Angels are going to struggle with their bullpen because their um, their depth is so thin across the board. Right. And if they have starting pitching as well, not not to mention position players, but yeah, they're everything is thin, but their, um, their starting pitching is thin is not just thin, but it's injured. Mm. And, and they're talking about going to the six man rotation with Otani. We don't know what Otani is going to be yet. Obviously either. Maybe he goes out and he's able to give him seven innings a night, but although um, the, I think the general expectation is since he only threw like 30 innings last year that yeah. he probably was only going to throw around 140 innings in the best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even at that and you have, he's recovering from what was his off season surgery? Uh, UCL. And then also he had an ankle surgery. The ankle uh, cause, surgery was because he hasn't had any treatment on the UCL. It's just strange. Oh yes. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then speaking of not getting treatment, you have Garrett Richards has, um, Got the stem cell injections in his arm instead of ever having Tommy John. And I just, I don't believe that you can cheat the UCL in that way. There's, there are not positive outcomes associated with that. I was reading about it a little. Um, I really think that you have to have the surgery. If And who knows? I don't know how torn it was. Maybe if it's not totally torn, you don't have to. But I am extremely suspicious of, like, PRP, platelet platelet-rich plasma injections or uh that just it it's it's not super well backed up by science so yeah the it is definitely mixed results at best um so we've got uh we've got strain potential strain on the starting rotation uh they have a few guys that they can mix in there parker bridwell who might if everybody is healthy be able to shift to the bullpen which would Mm -hmm. bolster their bullpen but I don't see. I mean, that is such a tenth percentile outcome mm-hmm. for them that, uh, yeah, I just don't. I think that the Angels, the Angels are going to have to put up a ton of runs. The Angels are kind of built like the Mariners in that they're each depending on offense to do the work to mm-hmm. make up for sort of a flagging pitching staff. But I have to mm-hmm. give the Mariners the the edge in the bullpen. Yeah. Um. I I think we, yeah I think we would agree and i think as you said they're just the they 
they have more consistency. The Mariners have more consistency in the bullpen uh, yeah. than anyone in the AL West. As to the Marin or the sort of Royals comparison, um, that's sort of a tougher one to say at this point because that bullpen, the Royals bullpen, was so dominant. And and I think what the Royals had was three guys in both of those years who were absolutely exceptional you know three of maybe the top 10 relievers in baseball um and i'm not sure that the mariners have that but what they do have is a maybe two uh you know or at least you know edwin diaz is you know one of the probably 10 best relievers in baseball and beyond that you have a bunch of guys who are just above average or very good um and so it it is going to much more just be that no matter who you bring in there's not going to be a drop off there's not going to be a oh crap it's this guy pitching uh and that is very valuable um and so i do think they are reasonably well equipped for the you know the mentality that they're uh, espousing about we need to give Felix Hernandez shorter starts you know maybe he only is going five innings or you know 90 pitches or maybe 100 pitches at most and maybe Marco Gonzalez is and Erasmus Ramirez are getting shorter starts sometimes you have guys who are you have David prudent. Phelps for right. example who I right. think is somebody who doesn't get talked about a lot because he I think he's a little forgotten because he missed so much of last year right mm-hmm. but he's back he's ready to go um mm-hmm. Mel Stoudemire Jr. called mentioned him on the hot stove podcast the other night as somebody he he was really excited to see what he had yeah and you and... know fan, I'm sorry Fangraphs <laughs> has us for 3.2 wins out of the bullpen and they have Astros for 4.3 and hmm. I just don't think it's going to be that big of a difference between those mm-hmm. two. Uh, I like our closer better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the length. I, I like Davinsky, obviously, um, mm. if they're using him in that role still. But mm-hmm. I I think that you can put David Phelps up there and maybe not have the same dominance, but mm-hmm. there are more David Phelps-type guys in the Mariners' pen, I think, than there are in the in the Astros. Yes, and... and- you know those types of guys are David Phelps. They're, they're Juan Nicasio. Um, yeah. They are, if the Mariners are right, you know Nick Rumbelow. Uh, you know just a, a number of guys who, uh, you know Art Warren in in the um, back half of the season. You know, in the back sure. half of the season, you know guys who have shown the ability to go multiple innings, um, and that's part of why I think Erasmo is a good candidate to be bumped back to the pen more yeah. so than Marco Gonzalez is. That's another guy who has gone more than one inning um, in the past and had success as a as a reliever. You know, I think and the I think Mariners are just well-equipped to have guys go either an inning or two or even a full time through the order right. um, and and then the next day have another guy very capable of doing that uh, as well and and that's not something that a lot of teams can boast because there's been so much specialization and winnowing down to you're going to be a one inning pitcher and so 
you know, I think Nick Vincent is probably, and Tony Zick, I guess, are probably the yeah. only guys who can only or should only be asked to go one inning. Yeah. Um, and Tony Zick might, for that reason, start in AAA, which, you know, would be a bummer because I like Tony Zick. But also, you know, if you if it's the option of that or a guy like Nick Rumbelow or Sean Armstrong who have been healthier and more able to go, I guess Nick Rumbelow had Tommy John, so it's not dramatically healthier, but when healthy have been able to go longer. Um, you know, I think Tony Zick hasn't thrown more than 40 pitches ever in an outing. Um, so I, I think that there is merit in that. It's it's different than the Royals bullpen of uh, that stretch, but it's a similar, the, the end result will likely be similar. Yeah. I mean, I think it's well constructed both in length and depth and breadth. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have guys who can go a while. You have the short specialists. You have mm-hmm. the lefty specialist, I guess, if Zinchinski <laughs> is coming back to us. Yeah. Uh, I guess that that's a, a role to play. I'm troubled about that. But mm-hmm. uh, overall, I think that – and I think we're going to see guys take steps forward, and I think they're going to be better than they were last year because because of injury, playing the role of David Phelps, we had – Casey Lawrence for, you know, months at a time. And I think uh, you're going to see more health out of these guys. Knock on wood. Even if only because it's, it's almost impossible for that to, uh, to be worse. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, (laughs) that's so much the theme in this off season is like every, you know, it was like the Mariners back into their rotation last year was eight, coin flips and they all landed on tails and like does that mean this year that they're all again you know coin flips like maybe it's a little more likely that it's going to be on tails but it's still like eight times it's not all going you know rob whalen chase DeYoung, like ariel miranda andrew moore mark gonzalez like they're not all going to have their worst case their worst case exactly so um you know and and the same is true of the bull Speaking of Rob Whalen, <laughs> I just want to put yeah. in a plug for um, Mariners prospect Lance Thonvold does a podcast, and it's very it's centered on faith um, and being a Christian athlete. But he has uh, Rob Whalen on, and he's just totally upfront and open about some of the issues that plagued him last year. Um, he's gone through a major personal transformation. He's lost twenty pounds. Uh, I think Rob Whalen is going to be like a, a story to follow during spring training um, maybe yeah. something to to be invested in because he's just taking a big step forward personally and i'm excited to see if that translates onto the field yeah but again um, worst, worst case outcomes for everyone i mean <laughs> yeah. he was struggling with depression chase de young had a, a career worst year uh, andrew moore got rushed to the majors and struggled down the stretch uh you know it's just miranda got exhausted miranda got exhausted ryan weber's arm dissolved yeah it's just like hit after hit after hit so yeah all right um let's go to a question from jason the the ghastly crumb tinies but with mariners (laughs) 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 okay sorry uh, I know you were working on that one for a while. I'm glad you finally you <laughs> got you. that Just one out. I'm proud of you. Um, all right, our question, our next question comes from Jason at JT Suizo. Do you think the in-house utility candidates are enough to commit to what Dr. Lorena Martin wants to do? 
that is a great question. <laughs> That's um, a hard question. I would say it's possible, but I am not confident about that position right now. Um and that's, I mean, again, one of these sort of, you know, coin flip kind of things. But what, w- you know, when we wrote up our lookout landing offseason plan, one of the main points that we focused on was that if they are attempting to actually give all these different players more rest, give Cano more rest, give Cruz more days off, give, you know, Seeger some days off so that he can be more productive, um, you need, you know, give Segura days off so that he can stay healthy. Um, you need to have a strong utility player so that when those players are, you know, when those core players are out, you're not just go, you know, putting out an 0 for 4. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately last year, Taylor Motter was not there. You know, he had the, a brilliant start and then after that it really fell apart for him um and some of that was you know i mean he played first base like 30 times like something outrageous which is just like that's you know when you look at if you're going to fan graphs you're looking at taylor Motter's ratings like he was not as bad as he looked if only because like of course he's going to be a terrible first baseman <laughs> relatively but uh you know it's it's just yeah, the staggering lack of production. I think that, that again, while we're talking about worst case <laughs> outcomes, the <laughs> staggering lack of production out of first base. Yeah, yeah. You know, after all the things that they tried to do mm. to solve that, and it just, it just was consistently a black hole. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it, that's a good point. That of course Taylor Motter looks worse as a first baseman because his bat will never be a first base bat. Right. Um, uh, but even still, I you know, I. There is something in Taylor Motter because he does have more power than you'd see in an average utility guy, and he's got good base stealing skills. Even Very though, good you know, base stealer. You know, even though he doesn't have elite speed, um, and he's a good defender. You know, he's a legitimate shortstop uh, defensively and can do everything else fine. Um, but if he's, you know, unless he is able to sort of transition the power that he started at the you know showed at the beginning of the year into a little more consistency then it's going to be really tough to you know see 300 400 plate appearances from taylor motter and i don't know that we've seen anything from the career of 31 year old andrew romine uh that would indicate he's going to do all that much better you know who again is very well regarded defensively. The difference but, I would pin uh, between Andrew Romine and Taylor Motter is Andrew Romine is 31. He has been in the majors. He's been a utility player. Andrew Romine knows what his major league career looks like, and mm-hmm. it is utility player. And I know that that's a, that's a tough pill. Nobody grows up wanting to be a utility <laughs> player, right? That's fair. Um, and so Taylor Motter has talked about how that was a hard thing for him he went Mm -hmm. from being a starter all through his minors career you know uh, he came up he was a starter because of injuries for a while he had this brilliant start you know it really gives you an idea of what kind of player you are and then all of a sudden you're you're a utility player again you're a late innings replacement and that 
that requires like a psychological shift, I think, in who and how you conceptualize of yourself as a player, how you approach at bats. Mm. Uh, you can't, you have to put up good at bats if you're a utility player. Uh, you have a job to do. And Taylor, I think, in an interview that I heard with him uh, from the Mariners Caravan, again on the Hot Stove po- podcast, he kind of talked about how he he really needed to figure out who he is mm. again. Um, and so I don't know, maybe a year of being like, this is what my path to the major leagues looks like, and I just have to embrace that. Maybe that makes some positive changes for yeah. him. But and I, guess I don't know. Part of part of it is just for me, like. Andrew Romine, I think, has a lot of strong characteristics, good defense, you know, good speed. I mean, does... Surprisingly, re- yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, a career 65 WRC+. Plus. <laughs> he's like, Taylor, he's like, shortstop playing toughy. <laughs> right. Like, like Taylor Motter had a 57 WRC plus last year, and Andrew Romine has been a little bit better than that for his entire career. Um, so, you know, it's not like Modder's, you know, extremely young, but I mean, this is, this will be, you know, he's essentially had half a season of half a se- half a full season's worth of at bats as a major leaguer. And this will be his third season, you know, of any major league experience, assuming he gets up to the team, um, you know, and he's hit at, you know, He's hit much better than Romine has at any level ever uh, in the minors. So I, I still want to see more of Taylor Motter if that's where they're going. But yeah, I, I still think... Higher ceiling for sure. On higher Motter. ceiling for sure. But I, I'm still trepidatious yeah, about Yeah, the, the idea of rolling of him out there. Uh, yeah. Although, I don't know, maybe if he's rolling out there more often than he was as a utility player last year, maybe that helps him with making this it, transition. It could, but I mean, there was like a pretty significant stretch where you know, like where Segura was out, where he was playing every day, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and still was, not good. <laughs> no, and then like he was playing at first base a lot. Yeah, you know, because Valencia was struggling, and yeah, it was just it was all bad. Um, I guess I would put in a minor vote of curiosity about Zach Vincege or Vin. Uh, did we ever Vincy? figure out Vincy? Vincy? I think it's sure. Vincy. Sure, just a fun <laughs> mystery J. It's a J that you didn't quite finish into being a Y. Good job, Zach. Uh, anyway, shortstop, the Mariners picked up and then were able to sneak through waivers um, from the Reds. Has some interesting uh, offensive uh, profiling. Um, not fast, but good defensively. Uh, and has played shortstop, second base, I think maybe a little bit uh, elsewhere, so... Someone possibly, but not on the 40-man roster. And again, if it's a random guy off waivers, essentially, that's not an awesome first plan uh, when you're trying to really work uh, your 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 utility and, and get your stars breaks. So um, here's a question from... Uh, from our own Anders Jorstad at Anders Jorstad on Twitter. Uh, it's a straightforward one. Ben Gamble or Guillermo Heredia? Kate? Gamble. Gamble. Gamble, uh, Gamble, Gamble. <laughs> oh, Gamma, Gamma. 
Um, ben Gamble. This is why I uh, give me give me your thirty second pitch because I do want to get through just some more questions yes, on this. So this give me your elevator I'm pitch on Ben Gamble. Adamantly Ben Gamble because I've been watching the Mariners Mondays and they're mm-hmm. all themed around different stuff, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. Paxton's dominance, it's Junino, whatever. Ben mm-hmm. Gamble shows up huge in all of these games and not huge in the way that they're making a whole show about him. But huge in the way that in order for Zanino to hit that walk-off home run that, you know, just electrified the fan base, Ben Gamble was up with two outs and got on base. So Ben Gamble, I think, and then there was another one where he nailed a runner who's trying to take an extra base on him with a great throw out of right field. Like, he just does a lot, and I know we've heard this about Ben Gamble before, so I don't know, maybe this is confirmation bias, but he does a lot of little things really well that help the team win, um, and I just, I think his approach at the plate is one that I currently prefer to Guillermo, who still looks still looks a little overwhelmed by major league hitting, or major league pitching to me. Um, so yes, Gamble is my first option. Obviously, I love Heredia, I use Heredia to give guys rest but uh mm-hmm. i am i am pro gamma starter okay well this has been quite an elevator ride we've had eight different families come on it was annoying that that kid hit like 35 buttons but <laughs> uh i appreciate uh <laughs> i appreciate it um i i am definitely for heredia i i i agree with your points on gamma i i like his profile I think that he's a valuable player to have on the team and I think we're in a good situation where we have both of them um, but just from what we saw from Aredia before he was hurt uh, you know at the end of the year uh, you know he was he out hit Gamble before September um, and you know has I think a little more defensive versatility uh but he's still just so hamstrung in his, you know, in his player or player profile by his base running, uh, and so that's something that Gamble sometimes does well because he 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 had some notable, you know, boneheaded gaffes, yes, gaffes, he, he made uh, some, some, gaffes. Some, some some major toot blands. But he also, <laughs> you know, he's good at taking the extra base. He's good at, uh, you know, he's a relatively good base dealer again for a guy who isn't necessarily incredibly fast uh, in terms of foot speed uh, certainly not as fast as Heredia and so um, I, I like Heredia because he has the, I think the potential to do more uh, because he's already doing so many of these things that uh, are I think more difficult um, so I, I would like to see more of him but and let's uh, remember that's too health, that health limited if D Gordon absolutely cannot play center field Guillermo is the best center fielder on the team so yes, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of him no matter what. If it's yes, just a complete, <laughs> and it, also a, a lot of there. other disastrous <laughs> side effects. There. Yes, yeah, I yeah. D Gordon, coming. first baseman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, our next question comes from C at C from Bothell. Uh, who will win the BSOL award? That is best shape of their well. Oh, we already answered live. that. Rob Leland. No. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Um, 
so we can skip to the next one from Chris, which is which team will Vogelbach be traded to before the end of spring training? God, I hope they I hope they trade him just because I feel bad for him that he is not going to see at bats here. Yeah, it seems like yeah. Um, that's a bad trade. That was a bad trade. It, it does not look good in hindsight. Although, I mean, again, it is one of those things where I, it is frustrating, especially with how bad Valencia was for long stretches of last yeah. year, that they didn't bring him up, and especially that they weren't just starting him all of September. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I was reading something about the Astros and how the Astros were forced into the position of just playing their young players. Like, they were losing anyway. What was the point? We were, I wish that the Mariners had fallen out of the race a little earlier, not only so we could move up in the draft, but, which is pretty stacked this year for the first 10, I would say, um, but also so they could have just played Vogelback, and we could really get a, a look at yeah. what Vogelback looks like day in and day out. I, yeah. I think that was a missed opportunity. Absolutely. Um there's yeah he just doesn't have any trade value right now because no. we've seen that he hits in the minors and we haven't seen him hit in the majors and he might be able to do that very well but in the short samples that he's had he hasn't had much chance to uh, I think on a scale back will play for the rainiers next year and he will make going to rainiers games really fun and yeah we will go cheer our hearts out for daniel Vogelback to come yeah. here yeah um on a scale from still on the bench, this is a third question from C, just because he had the Twitter extended those character limits, and he <laughs> is making it work. Uh, on a scale from still on the bench to crossing home plate, accepting stuffed animal, waving to the crowd, what are the chances that the free agent logjam only breaks when spring training injuries hit? Um, you know, obviously one of the bigger stories in Major League Baseball overall right now is the lack of movement on the free agent market, and uh, you know, I guess this week in particular, there have been all sorts of bluster and discussion yeah. of spring training boycotts and things, you know, the frustrations. The agent spring training. Team. Yeah. yeah. Um, just all sorts of, you know, frustrations because from what it seems like, the, you know, ownership and front offices are all essentially, uh, you know, because in part because there's a lot of similar processes and a lot of similar thinking and in part because the free agent class right now isn't very good or at least is very flawed in part because of a million other things there just isn't movement um and i and i think that that is likely what what it's going to take you know i mean we're about a week and a half away from spring training starting and i don't know what would happen in this next week that would be that much different from two weeks ago Darvish is gonna sign I think Darvish I think Darvish signs this week or next I think he signs with the Yankees or the Dodgers whoever can clear more payroll for him he signs you don't think the the Cubs pull him I don't think so I think Darvish wants to be a Yankee or a Dodger but Mm -hmm. I I don't know I mean the the Yankees I think are pretty happy with themselves Mm -hmm. and their pitching as they should be (laughs) as they Um, should be so I could see them and and they don't have that pre-established relationship I I don't know I mean Darvish is obviously going to go whoever gives him more money I could see the Cubs getting desperate and making Mm. a last minute and maybe all of this stuff that's coming out about how he's weighing those two clubs is meant to 
galvanize the Cubs into feeling desperate and making a big swing at him. But I do think that something with that breaks in the next week or two. Unless it's complete posturing by his camp, which is possible. It is always. Um, yeah, I, it, it's... I don't know. It's it's bizarre, and I I don't think it'll make too big of an impact. I think the Mariners get one more player. And once um, once Darvish is off, I think then it it goes very quickly. Whoever doesn't get Darvish will chase down mm-hmm. Lynn Cobb Arietta, you know, and that it'll just be like dominoes falling. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's see. We'll go with a question from. Uh, shameless paper promoter Joe Vieira <laughs> at Joe Vieira on Twitter. Uh, you can only choose one: Jake Odorizzi, Danny Salazar, or Ariel Miranda. Pick wisely. Um, which is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, reference to an article that came from MLB itself about a couple pitchers who had ace potential <laughs> um, based on pitches that they were not utilizing. Uh, as much, and I, I think, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I don't think we need to linger on this too much, but you mentioned Luke's piece, uh, and Aaron Miranda has just a fascinating pitching profile because he has run such a low batting average on balls in play. It's you know, it does feel as though he's been pretty lucky, but he also gives up a bunch of home runs, <laughs> uh, but he also gives up a lot of fly balls, so his batting average on balls in play is likely to be low. So only. Uh, um only four players in MLB history have given up over uh, two home runs per game, uh, <laughs> HR nine. So, and it's a bunch of a couple of guys from the um, the steroid era, and then mm. dear sweet Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's an odd one. Um, it's something that I feel is going to have to regress uh, probably I, I i'm i'm high on ariel miranda for next year i mean not you know anytime you throw ace potentially around is uh is is yeah, troubling uh you know i mean this is still he's still a guy who i think you have to look at as a rookie uh, even mm. though he's older um he just hasn't had the time to develop i think last year was a real crucible for him uh, he just had to because of how things were. Go out there and make pitches day after day, and uh, I think he learned a lot from it. I think he's teachable. He's he's able to make adjustments, and I I feel I feel good. Uh, maybe out of all the depth pieces, I feel best about Ariel Miranda. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I really want to say more or Gonzalez, but I really think just from uh, a health perspective and from having spent time. I, I, th- I think I might be highest on Miranda. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm going to be interested to watch him. I, I th- I'm, he's a player I enjoy watching, and especially because he has such a thin margin for error but works really hard within that, uh, which is a yeah. lot of the Mariners pitchers. <laughs> that's, but that's, who, that's who they yeah. go after. <laughs> it is true. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm still on the Marco Gonzalez uh uh, hype train, I guess. I hope so, because uh, I love him. I love, him. <laughs> I love him so much. He's great. He's fun. He is, he's nice. He is fun. He's local. You know, he's, I, I I want nothing more than success for all three mm. of those guys. Definitely. Um, and, it, I mean, that would be a, a big boon for the Mariners. Oh, um, my gosh. Here's a question from James Roberts at Junk Ball Pitchin'. Uh, 
if we discover this year that the king can't handle a full workload anymore, would it be plausible or just plain crazy to see him transition to a multi-inning bullpen role and actually thrive? Uh, Kate, where where do you stand on the Felix to the bullpen? I think we've talked about this before, uh, mm-hmm. that his stuff won't play up necessarily in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be picking up extra velocity. Mm. Um I mean, I think that you can conceive of what he's going to be doing, and it probably will be this year, as a as a bullpen. Just think of Felix as a bullpen start. Um, you know, you're not maybe going to get five or six or seven innings out of him. Maybe maybe not five. Maybe mm-hmm. he's once or possibly twice through the rotation, and and that's it. Um, and that's just the reality, the reality of the mileage that's on his arm. And um, it, it makes it a little easier, I think, to think about it that way. It doesn't make it easier to think about paying $25 million for someone who's essentially a bullpen arm. But, yeah, um, you know, is it time to maybe retire the K-chant? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now there's something we can we can really get into. Yeah, I I, I like the idea of the <laughs> weak grounder to second base <laughs> yes. cards. Four, uh, three, four, three. Yeah, exactly. I think that might go over well, honestly. If we can, <laughs> uh, um, that actually, ooh, maybe we should try and work on something on that oh, right, yeah. Yeah, for this year. But uh, I, I I what I will say is I don't know that his stuff plays up in the pen. But I do think the point about his inability to go longer, you know, he's still reasonably effective at all, you know, in in a lot of cases. Um, But at least last year, a lot of his struggles weren't even that he was getting tired so much as, or maybe he was tired from previous pitching, but he, he wasn't, you know, in the first inning he got, lit up yeah. and you get lit up in the first inning because you're facing the best hitters on the other team but um it didn't seem as though much or so much as though he was exhausted so i would be interested to see him initially just work four or five innings you know five six innings a start um and if it's more comfortable for someone to be given the you know given the uh, role of throwing three to four innings as a reliever instead of knowing you're going to start a game, go three or four innings, and then come out. Uh, maybe that's the case, but there's there's not really a role in baseball because baseball's so designed around the idea of pitcher wins and losses. Still, even though we've come so far, right. that the idea that you're going to start a pitcher and have them know that they're only going three or four innings just doesn't work. Um, And part of that is, you know, on players, but also part of that is because arbitration salaries, you know, for for players are determined based on a lot of metrics like wins and losses and and things like that. And so, you know, that doesn't affect Felix, but for a younger guy like Marco Gonzalez, who might be well served to only go a few innings at a time, um, you know, they are actively disincentivized from doing that by, by their potential paycheck. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult spot, but I, I, I think, I think it, it, it's worth looking at at least if, if he struggles this year. Um, 
Our next question comes from uh, Anders Jorstad again. Rank the following guys on how much war they'll accumulate in 2018. And this is, again, getting into that back end of the rotation. You've you've showed your hand just a bit, but uh, ranking this uh, fivesome, I guess. Andrew Moore, Marco Gonzalez, Ariel Miranda, Max Posey, and Chase Dijon. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the way you read it, except put Ariel Miranda in the front, I think. Interesting. You Okay, okay. Hmm. I I think I would go Gonzalez, Moore, Miranda, Posey, Dijon. Only because I think Gonzalez gets first crack, um, mm. and I think it's, it's plausible that any of Moore or Miranda or Gonzalez have better years but uh you know i don't think they're gonna pull gonzalez if he's starting out well right and let's be clear there's a big jump between those first three and the last two yes uh, it, 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 even if only because posey didn't work as a starter all that much yeah. last year and dijon got demoted to double a last year yeah. at the end and he you know probably comes back a little bit stronger and you know waylon is probably in that same group yeah. in, in that second third you know group but yeah it's it, it'll be tough uh, what i will say is tacoma will probably have a more interesting rotation this year tacoma will nice. be a lot more watchable if the big club is able to stay healthy so that's like, that's like really half is healthy like, yeah. like <laughs> not even like i don't think th- it's very likely that the mariners have injuries in their rotation it is unlikely that they have rotation yeah. injuries as bad as they did last year yeah if the if no the, one has ever if the big club is able to not be a uh a romero horror movie uh with just yeah. zombie you know everyone going full romero all around so mm-hmm. that's yeah that's tacoma should be pretty watchable there will be some fun guys coming up there will be some actual depth there that will hopefully be there for a while and we can see develop um, and there should be some fun position players too. I think there's a good chance we see Braden Bishop at some point, probably Felia, um, Art Warren at some point, maybe if he doesn't go straight to MLB in the second half. So should be fun. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, here's another question from C. Uh, how are you guys going to main interest? or have anything meaningful to write about when there are no real position paddles coming up in spring training. Um, and I guess there's there's a sort of a secondary part of this, which is, are you, the writing staff of LL, emotionally prepared for what the first couple weeks and really first half of the season will bring? I have a feeling that patience will be hard to come by, even more so than usual, even though things like Dr. Martin and her magic Fitbit need time to generate results. Um... And I guess I would dispute the first part of this question, but uh, just just in that I think there are a couple uh, position, position battles. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I do think that there is really it is going to be an interesting challenge of if this team struggles out of the gate. Not only should they be given patience, uh, or I guess not not only like should there be patience just in a evaluative an, ev- an evaluative sense but 
do they deserve patience <laughs> from a fan sense? Uh, and I guess I'm I'm curious where you where you'd fall on that. Yeah, patience is definitely going to be really really thin on the ground this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's dangerous to make too much out of spring training. But I feel like if they have a poor spring training, uh, and specifically if they have a poor spring training, and the Angels have an awesome spring training. <laughs> <laughs> people are just going to be because uh, you expect the the Astros to be good and to be the class of the division but I think mm-hmm. if it looks immediately like there's a huge gap between the Angels and the Mariners I think that, that it's, it's going to be really difficult to invest people in the season and if they come out and lose it's going to be really hard yes um, um. The good thing is they do have to open against the Indians, which isn't fun. They'll, they will maybe not lose, win their opening day game, which isn't ever a great feeling. But after that, they play the Giants yeah. uh, and the Royals and the Athletics. And then mm-hmm. there's a series with the Twins in there, so maybe that doesn't go great. But after that... A lot of, a lot of teams that are mediocre or not great, who, yeah. if the Mariners are going to be good then they they should come out all right, I guess. And it's going to be important because, as they did last year, they have a four-game series against the Astros right there at the beginning. (laughs) Oh, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a real possibility that uh, they have to start the first two weeks of the season strong in order to be able to suffer whatever the Astros bring to town. Um, which, you know, I, I've never seen a tremendous amount of Astros fans at Safeco, but you know they're going to be there this year. Uh, so it's, it's there's going to be a little bit of a, of a, I seem to be using the word crucible a lot today, but they're going to be, <laughs> there's going to be a, they're going to be thrown right into it. They're yeah. uh, right in the middle of April. Yeah, uh, I, I I think you're going to see in, in spring training, uh, the, the point that you made about the Angels is good. Is uh, We've talked a little bit about this, but the fact that this season, as much as anything, may just be a barometer of as long as we can be better than the Angels. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. Uh, the, you know, cause the Angels have had essentially the antithesis of the Mariners offseason. You know, they got the players that they wanted, uh, various players that they may be, uh, you know, and then from that, because of that, in large part, they then went ahead and spent money, uh, like few teams have done, uh, to to get better. And, you know, it's not to say the Mariners haven't spent some money, you know, essentially. No, but the, the Angels Gordon are is... very much the darlings of the off season, Right, and, and deservingly so. So it's been... Uh, it has been exasperating to watch, uh, but hopefully, the uh, <laughs> the regular season will be a little bit different. How's about that? Yeah, uh, I, I would really, yeah, just 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 come out ahead of the Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that first month will give us a pretty good barometer because they play some good teams in the India and mm-hmm. in the Cleveland, and in the Astros. Um, mm-hmm. And they play the Twins, who I think is going to be a really good test to see. 
where they're at. And then they play a bunch of teams that they should be able to come out ahead of. The Giants, mm-hmm. the Royals, the Athletics, the White Sox, uh, the mm-hmm. Rangers. So I think that they need to finish April at 500 or close to it. Um, above it. I- ideally above it or close to 500. But if they finish yeah. sub-500 against these teams, I it's going to be hard to see that not as a as a real real red flag for the rest of the season. Yeah. I uh I thoroughly agree. Um let's see here. We we've got a couple a couple more questions here. Um I think we can probably wrap up and and I'm I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks so much in large part just because we'll have baseball. Like yep. we'll have we'll Basically, we're going to be talking about Andrew more next week. The week after that, we're going to have baseball. Not baseball being played, but people in Arizona walking around doing baseball-adjacent <laughs> things. Uh, and, and college baseball. College yes, baseball and college be, baseball. Uh, I think OSU starts up, uh, UW starts up around then. I think Wazoo maybe. So we'll have, we'll have some college baseball to talk about too. Get yes. excited. Um, so I, I think our we, we have a question from... Mike Arema uh, at 360 BU Bear and uh, it looks like Baylor Bears if I am guessing if I'm reading my uh, logos right here um, that I don't think we can do too much with but is Felix really healthy and what has Diaz been doing in the offseason to improve and be more consistent um, and as much as we would love to know we can't know too much and certainly we I, I think it's tougher to tell for Diaz um who who is, is he's been working more... out he's posted some instagrams of his workouts yeah. um yeah. but you know is he out there like doing some of the stuff like what we see for instance Nick Rumbelow doing um mm-hmm. where he's throwing in this like very high tech environment <laughs> you know that's ton- that's doing pitch tunneling and like mm-hmm. um all of these different grip analysis, like he Rumbelow is in some high tech shiz. Every time I see something he's mm-hmm. posting, he's like, mm-hmm. he's doing something that I don't understand. Um, you know, he's not one of the guys who trains at driveline like more. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a few of the other guys have gotten into that where they're in touch with, you know, Edwin is out there like pulling a weight around a field and sprinting mm-hmm. and like throwing flat, flat grounds and, yeah. Um, you know, it's not this. It, it's not the. It's just hard. It's harder to tell. Yeah, but it, he he is doing the kid who went to a military academy. Uh, you know, military high school type workouts, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is fitting. Um, and you know, so. anything that he's he's bulking up. Ariel Miranda has put some nice uh, upper body muscle on in the last season. He's Are you talking about start. his dreadlocks? Because that is. <laughs> I, I think mean, I think more... he has doubled his weight in that. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. yeah, it just... that they might. I think the dreads are thicker than his calf muscles. Uh, he has, what calf muscles? I mean, he has, <laughs> his legs are the so just so. And I know he works oh. out. They must just not take muscle for whatever reason. I guess. So. Yeah. Um, but good for you, Ariel. Building what you can. Yeah, work uh, with what you got till you make it a lot. Yeah, um, are, are either Diaz or Felix the kind of obsessive um, post every workout kind of people that Nelson Cruz is, for example? No. So it's, you know, yeah. we're judging from a black box. Yeah. Um, 
So I think we'll we'll go with our final question here from Maxwell Carter, and we and we've danced around this a little bit, but what do you? Or sorry, that's Maxwell Carter at tryharder94 <laughs> on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, and that is, what do you guys see as a realistic best case scenario for our pitching staff come September? Um, and Kate, I, I, if you're I, s- sort of striking up the Ariel Miranda horn. <laughs> um, I guess I, I would like to hear your your first uh, sort of gauge on this. Um, honestly, the the only the best my dearest wish um, it's just Paxton being healthy. If mm-hmm. Paxton can be healthy, I think that that gives you somebody who every fifth day you can pretty much pencil in a win, mm-hmm. and that has an incredible ripple effect on the rest of the pitching staff if they know yeah. that the bullpen's going to get a day of rest because this guy's going to go deep in the game mm-hmm. um he's going to conserve his arm by not having to throw too many pitches and they're going to get mm-hmm. a, a a win maybe stop if there's any kind of a losing skid that just takes pressure off of everybody else mm-hmm. so i think a lot i know that depoto has said and has been criticized for roundly saying that the season kind of depends on how many innings Felix can give them, mm-hmm. uh, which is dangerous territory to be sure. <laughs> yes. But I think much more it rests on James Paxton being healthy and being able to make his starts. Yes. Because uh, he's I, the I tide th- that raises the rest of the boats, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that analogy yeah. is. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, close enough. The boats, you have to get the boats the up boats, into the, into the sky just, just so that they can <laughs> catch wind and fly <laughs> to their destination. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're good, real mariners. Um, I think if you're looking for your best case scenario, I think Paxson being healthy for a full year is, is absolutely there. Uh, because, you know, it's not like it's outrageous like people do it all the time after not having been fully healthy for a year you know or for you know not having put together a full year of health then they finally have a year of health um you know and it's not like paxton is a slouch like he's working out a ton on this and he's working really hard to make sure that he is in fact healthy um you know, he's been working at driveline this uh off season and the, you know, as much as can be done, or at least he he did some work at driveline. Yeah, I, I think he, he's done some, but similar to that, where he's undergone yeah, some regardless. kind of testing for with his muscles and how he can best heal them after they get exactly strained during a start. So yes, um, you know, and so I think that that is key. And I guess I just you getting twenty five starts from. Getting over twenty-five starts from everyone that is in the in the initial starting rotation, I guess that that would be my realistic best-case scenario. Um, because if I think I think if you have that, then you have enough from everyone. You have you know over you know probably you have around you know one hundred twenty, hundred and fifty innings from everyone. Uh, you know, and maybe even more if if some guys go further. But like, that makes such a big difference, as you said, in terms of the consistency 
the ability to plan your bullpen, uh, you know, the the ability to give guys consistent rest and give guys consistent work. Um, and so, you know, last year there were three pitchers, I think, that had, you know, 130, you know, had 100 innings pitched last year. Uh, you know, you had Miranda, Paxton, and Gallardo at over 100 innings. Um, you know, and nobody else, you know, Felix has like 85, 86, nobody else, you know, so get, you get 130 I, innings how many or 150 innings. How many innings did Sam innings. Gaviglio have? Sam Gaviglio had 62 yeah, innings. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, <laughs> you know... That's a lot of he, innings. He starts... For your you know, ninth, eleventh exactly. guy, yeah. Like, yeah, like Sam Gaviglio started 11 games, you know, I mean, and... You know, Sam Gaviglio and Christian Bergman combined started, you know, all, or at least 19, I looks like maybe 20 games. I mean, that's just, that's not a healthy way to set up your, <laughs> your roster. You can't have 10%, 15% of your games going to guys who aren't really ready. Um, so if they can have just... 80% of their games started, 70, 80% of the games started by the guys who are supposed to start them. Uh, I think that's not out of the question, no matter how bad last year was, and that will provide consistency for the bullpen that will lift, you know, that will lift the rest of uh, the team in terms of consistency uh, in a dramatic fashion. So. I think we'll be surprised because it's easy to look back at last year and look at this year's pitching staff and feel like it's a lot the same and feel despair about mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. And there are, yeah, I mean, you can say, is it, it's we bet on poor health last year and lost. Are they doing the same thing this year with relying too much on Felix and Paxton to mm -hmm. provide those innings? But I think, uh, you know, Mike Leak wasn't part of the team last year and he kind of flies under the radar we forget that he's he's there anchoring that middle of the rotation he's mm -hmm. been a reliable if nothing else mike leak has been reliable over his entire major mm -hmm. league career um you know it's we forget that we saw so many starts so mm -hmm. many starts by people like chase de young and andrew mm -hmm. moore who probably wasn't ready at the time um, for yeah. the workload that was asked of him um, and Sam Cavilio who is you know kind of he is your perfect depth piece he's someone you call in for a little while while you have an injury and then you mm -hmm. send him back to triple a and um, mm -hmm. it was just I mean when you're asking those guys to be regulars that's it uh, yeah it's amazing that they won as many games as they did and I think it speaks to the strength of the offense and Mm -hmm. um, the strength of the bullpen that was able to come in and, and close out games. So with just a little more health, it's not even like they have to be super healthy. Um, right. But with just a little more, not everyone hitting their worst case scenarios. <laughs> I, I think, and it's good, it's good in a lot of ways to not feel too optimistic about the team. I know that that feels weird, but um, high expectations are dangerous. And I think that we've seen a lot of times we've had the Mariners hailed as the off season winners in 2015 only to yeah. 
you know, go in and just completely lay an egg over that season. So, yeah, uh, there are worse things than having low expectations. There are worse things than having players feel like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, uh, playing a little yeah. bit angry because they feel like they're being overlooked. So, mm-hmm. I, I, there, there are bright spots, mm-hmm. but it sure doesn't feel like that in a long, long month of January with no fan fest and no real movement and just, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, people are frustrated and I understand it. Agreed. Alright, well, is that is that it for questions then? It is indeed. Sort of a bummer thing to end on. I was hoping <laughs> for something a little, <laughs> a little cheerier, you know, like... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, here we go. We do have one more. We have uh, uh, from this better be fun and uh, good. from Brittany Bolay. Okay, it's fun uh, and good. It's where do you think Jerry buys his suits? <laughs> mm, ah, man, there's some intense plaid on some of those. I mean, they are they are they're daring. That's not a Banana Republic suit. It's not a yeah. That's a it's a suit that wants to get noticed a little bit. So I don't think it's Banana Republic or Jake Brew or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, where they want to avoid. Notice, yeah, exactly. Discovery. Yeah, that's those are um, those are seats when you're sitting at the table in the boardroom and not standing up in front of. Yeah, they're leader suits, is what they are. I would be thrilled if they were like bespoke suits that are custom made for him. I would, that would just thrill me to no end. Um, Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 we, we should do a, a bit of digging on this and see if we can come up with it. He seems like the kind of guy who might really love going to Buffalo Exchange or, like, <laughs> Goodwill. I mean, it's sort of the approach he's taken to building the roster. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. that dude's on the hunt for a deal. <laughs> and sometimes he finds something and, sometimes you know, sometimes he finds a, a gem. Yeah, he, he finds a Ben Sherman shirt, you know, yeah. that somebody didn't know what they had. Yeah, and you know, and sometimes or you see you... something with just a couple little alterations is gonna, you know, just swap yeah. out the buttons, and all of a sudden you have your, you got yourself something. Yeah, you get a little yeah. spick and spam. I, you know, it's uh, it's definitely I, you know, I think that's where he's going. I think that's where he's digging things up. I agree. I agree. Good, good answer. Good question, Brittany. And good questions all. Thank you, everybody, for submitting them. We know that this went a little long. Hopefully, it was interesting to you um, as we slog through these interminable months. Uh, it is February as we're recording this, so next time we talk to you, we'll have Andrew Moore, and then the time after that, we'll have baseball. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, hang in there, guys. Spring is coming. Baseball is coming. And we will talk to you soon. Cause I can't wait